Paul Steinhauser joins us live, reports nationally for Fox News, spent pretty much a week in South Carolina. Big, big win for Donald Trump over Nikki Haley from South Carolina, about a 60-40 split. Big win, and Trump is now rolling into Michigan tomorrow, where the polls suggest another big win. Paul, good morning. Hey, good morning. But Nikki Haley not dropping out, at least not until Super Tuesday, which is coming up a week from tomorrow. That's when 15 states vote. Haley in Michigan today. She was there last night as well. Trump was in Michigan a couple of days ago. You're right. 20-point victory for Trump in Haley's home state of South Carolina over the weekend, but a little bit smaller than what the polls had indicated. So she performed a little bit better than she did in the polls, just like here in New Hampshire. But still, you know, Trump wins big. She really doesn't have much of a pass. We'll see what she does next Tuesday after Super Tuesday, whether she calls it quits then, Jack. And as you mentioned, Ronna McDaniel announcing, as we expected, she's the longtime chair of the Republican National Committee. She will uh, step down uh, at the end of next week when the Republican National Committee has a big meeting. That'll allow Trump to basically put his own people in there. Uh, and Ronna McDaniel at one time was his person, too, way back in 2017. But this is kind of the normal thing. You know, the uh, presumptive nominee gets to sure. really run the party. And Trump is pretty much he'll be there in about a week or two. He'll probably clinch it either on March 12th or 19th. So it's his party again. And he gets to do what he wants. Mentioning possibly Laura, one of his daughter-in-law. But is there does he sort of floated who a chair might be? Yeah, Michael Watley is the chair of the uh, North Carolina Republicans, a big Trump supporter, supported Trump's unproven claims that the uh, 2020 election was stolen. He wants him as chair. Laura Trump, his daughter-in-law, will be vice chair. And then Chris La Savita, who is the uh, one of the top advisors steering Trump's presidential campaign, he's going to be put in there as chief of staff of the RNC. So Trump getting his own team at the Republican National Committee. Again, that's, you know, when you're the presumptive nominee, you get to do that. He'll be the presumptive nominee by the middle of March. Paul Steinhauser, you just heard it, reporting nationally for Fox in our show. Good morning, New Hampshire, the Pulse of an Age. Thank you very much, Paul. Thanks, Jack. Good morning, New Hampshire, powered by Sig Sauer. Now, back to Jack Heath on the Pulse of New Hampshire. All right, going to switch gears, bring up one of our political analysts and all-stars to get us going on a Monday morning, Brad Card, Card and Associates. Brad, big win for Trump over Nikki Haley. I'm not in the business of predicting, but I guess two for two, about 60-40 split. He's ahead of Michigan. Paul Steinhauser just said he wraps this thing up in a few weeks. He is the nominee, and now he's even shaken up the RNC. Good morning, Brad. Yeah, hey, Jack. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, Trump did really well. I mean, he won by 20 points uh, in Nikki Haley's home, t- home state. Now, there, there are some issues that, you know, he's clearly got some issues with suburban voters, and one in five of those voters said that no matter who he's running against, um, uh, whether he's the nominee, he, he's, he's not going to get their vote. Uh, so that's, that's troubling. If 20% of the Republican base is not going to vote for him, that, that could be problematic for him, especially in, if that carries over into some of the um, – Know, states like Michigan and Pennsylvania. So uh, that that's the only area. But yeah, there's no question about it. He had, uh, you know, a, he won 43 of the state's 46 counties, and uh, he did well. And quite frankly, there's some really troubling warning signs for President Biden as well. Voter enthusiasm for Democrats is just tremendously low. I mean, they had a turnout of 131,000 voters, um, and, and and that's significantly less than, than uh, the 560,000 that they had in 2020. So, um, 
it looks like Donald Trump is cruising to the nomination and that Joe Biden has a, a real serious lack of uh, enthusiasm behind his campaign within his own base. What do you make of this RNC stuff? Not not abnormal, not unusual. He's the nominee. It's like the governor of a state, you know, will put in on his or her party, you know, the who who they want if they want Brad Carr's chair, Brad Carter's chairman and vice chair. But what do you make of uh, where no surprise here, Ronna, Ronna McDaniel announcing, I guess, in the next week she's out. Well, this was not of her doing, right? This was right. not of her choosing, uh, despite what she's saying. Uh, this is Donald Trump wanting to put his own people in. You know, I, I have some problems with that, personally. I, I don't like the fact that Republican National Committee was paying Donald Trump's legal bills. I, I, I That, to me, uh, those funds should be used not only for the person running for president, but also down-ballot candidates, you know, candidates running uh, all the way across the, the spectrum of, of offices. So um, I've had problems with Ronna McDaniel's management, um, and, and I, I think that the RNC is, is now the party of Trump, no question about it. Uh, he's installing his um, chairman, and his daughter-in-law is going to go in as co-chair, um, so it, there's, there's going to be no no question where the party's going, and it's going to be Donald Trump that's going to be driving the train. Interesting. And then, you know, it looks like I don't know much about Michigan. People were focusing so much on South Carolina. Isn't it? I checked out one of the polls earlier this morning. It looks like even in Michigan he's got a big lead, Trump. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Trump has leads across the board. Um, look, at there are – troubling signs right there a good number of people say they won't vote for him if he if he's convicted uh these legal challenges are still out there um you know i'll go back to this i'm 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 troubled by the fact that his campaign is picking up the price tag uh on his legal cases uh i think that that's wrong personally um, and I was, as I said, I was troubled that the RNC was picking up the legal tag. And, and, and the question is, do, do voters care? Do they know? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not sure they even know. I know. But I, do they I don't care? Know. You know, Brad, and, I was like, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's that. Those are the those are potential trouble signs. I mean, if any other candidate, again, I said this before, and you know, I, I'll, I'll keep saying it. Donald Trump can do what no other mere mortal can do. Um, you know, he can get away yeah. with making what would be career-ending statements by anybody else, but he, 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 he can say it and he can get away with it. Yeah. Um, we've seen it time and time again, and he can do things that Republicans would never allow. They would never allow the RNC to pay legal bills uh, and penalties uh, yeah. against an individual, but that's yeah. where we're at. And I'm not doing the two wrongs, you know, don't make a right. I'm, I'm, a, I'm actually just, I was talking, I had some back and forth with someone I know this morning, um, and we were just remarking after the role in South Carolina and Biden basically being anointed and rolling to his nomination that the national polls show one thing, that people don't want this matchup again, and that's what we're getting. And then, you know, as surreal, Brad, as it is, because imagine if you, let's just say you go to bed last night, you went to bed, and you were able to kind of clean your slate of all your memory of the last year or two in American politics, and you woke up this morning, and so you have no memory of this, and here you have these legal cases against Donald Trump that you mentioned. He's racking up 
the legal fees, but he's rolling through his nomination and all the shortcomings of Joe Biden, the stumbles and bumbles, um, the forgetfulness. And I'm not bringing this up, but it is germane to a point because it's in Congress and it does allegedly tie into the Biden family, all the Hunter Biden stuff. And you're like, this is it. I mean, this with, you know, look at the collective age between the two, how long Biden has been down in Washington, more than a half a century. This is it. This is our choice. In this country, you have entrepreneurs, you have people of all ages in life, and this is it. And it's like, it's amazing. I don't know if it's a system that perpetuates it. I have a theory the national media wants it to be Biden and Trump again. But isn't it amazing if you woke up and, like, you go, with all this stuff, look at all the Democrats that ran last time against Biden, and look at all the Republicans that ran this time with Trump wanted to run again, including DeSantis, including Mike Pompeo, including Nikki Haley. I mean, I could, Vivek Ramaswamy, Chris Christie, and this is it. Yeah, look, Joe Biden has been a terrible president, and and his handling of the southwest border is beyond bad, and it is it continues to get worse. And I don't understand the tone deafness of his administration on that. Um, He doesn't push the envelope. He is certainly willing to push the envelope on student loan forgiveness of whether or not he even has the legal authority to do you know to forgive student loans. But he's not willing to push the bounds at all on the southwest border uh, to protect our country from illegal immigrants coming into it and overrunning our cities. Right. That's that's where we're at. Um, That all said, you have Donald Trump tanking a border security bill that the Senate was was moving um, because he wants the issue. Right. So you have two guys at the top, quite frankly, driving their parties. Um, one saying he wants the issue is a political issue, and the other um, kind of re- saying that Congress needs to fix it. It's not my problem to fix, um, which is crazy. So it, it is hard to believe how we got here, and clearly well, the yeah. American people would like other choices. But, you know, but, I, but I the... actually question whether they do want other choices, though, to be honest with you, Jack. I mean, yeah, and I don't know. Just, I don't know. But, you know, Brad, what makes, what makes it even more frustrating for you, what you go, is the national media coverage. Because even though the border bill, I'm not, I'm not saying that Trump didn't want Republicans to tank it. He wants it. It's his issue. I get that. But no mention by the national media, really, very little what was in the bill or that some Democrats opposed it or that Biden did nothing for three years. No mention at all. Or what's even worse, Brad, is this case. And, and you're a dad and you've been a state trooper. Um, this story of this young Augusta... Uh, university, you know, nursing student gone to the University of Georgia, you know, just bru- terribly, brutally murdered by this illegal immigrant. And I say that top line because he broke into this country as a violent history, had been arrested in New York City, what out, and he snatches this young, promising, deansless student, nursing star of her family, her life. And I'm looking at some of the national media, and they don't even mention the guy was from Venezuela, broke into the country through El Paso, and has a criminal background and record. Why is that not germane to the news story? Well, it, it is Jermaine Jack, and that's you know, it. It, it it's really troubling. I mean, you can put on most of the channels and see the political bias, right, one way or the other. Certainly, you know, I yeah. I think MSNBC is obviously the the epitome of left wing news media, and Fox is the epitome of I'm not even going to call it right wing media. I'm going to call it Trump media. Um, you know, they're locked solid with Donald Trump and whoever Donald Trump likes. So it, 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 we're not getting a fair shake 
quite frankly, the days of, you know, real unbiased media reporting, I think, are over. Uh, even what you try to read online, now we see with all the bots and IA, it's really hard to decipher what's real and what's not real. Yeah. All right, Brad, have a good one on this uh, Monday. Brad Card, live, Card and Associates. Thank you, Brad. You go. We'll see you later. Dr. Vic, Dr. Vic Romain host of Navigating Uncertainty, his latest book, The Generalist. Check it out wherever you get your books. Dr. Vic, on a Monday morning, good morning. Good morning, Jack. How are you doing today? Well, the question is, how are you? I am good. I'm driving back from Crotchet Mountain. Beautiful morning. Uh, kind of a nice day to be driving. All right. Well, some uh, some interesting stuff on uh, economic numbers that are out that people like you jump into um, and uh, just getting your take on what you think on uh, inflation and uh, some of the other numbers that we're starting to see. And a lot more talk about something you wrote a book about years ago called AI. <laughs> That's right. So artificial intelligence is getting a lot of attention, particularly driven by NVIDIA, the, the chip company that's been getting a lot, a lot of attention. company has got to be more worth more than, I think, $2 trillion at this point. Um, it's the hottest stock out there by far, uh, and it continues to grow. Uh, so they're delivering some of these semiconductor chips that power artificial intelligence models now in armored vehicles. They're that valuable. Uh, this company's been raising prices. It's unbelievable. Uh, so, yes, that's what's happening in AI land. But in terms of inflation, the big data, Jack, that we've got to watch is what's coming out this Thursday. The Fed's preferred measure of inflation, personal consumption expenditure, the PCE deflator is what it's referred to as, comes out this Thursday. That's going to be a big data point that we need to pay attention to. But the reality is inflation is coming down doesn't mean prices are coming down, which I've said many times on this show. It just means the rate of change is coming down. It means your eggs, which are $10 a dozen, are not going to turn into $20 a dozen. They might turn into $10.50 a dozen. Oh, good. We're not, we're not Venezuela. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, you, know you were just mentioning NVIDIA, and I was just comparing it to IBM. I just look at the current stock of NVIDIA. What is it, about $760 or more per share? Yeah, it's up there. I don't know. Exactly and IBM, right IBM, IBM is like what, hundred eighty? It's under two hundred dollars a share. It's amazing. Yeah, well, don't worry about the per share price. The total value of the company, because you can change the number of shares, right? Uh, yeah, the yeah. total value for the company, two trillion dollars, which yeah. means it's worth double Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, which is approaching a trillion dollars. It's worth almost as much as like an Apple or Microsoft. Um, and it's all about the AI chips that they're making. Interesting. What else is catching your eye? Well, um, you know, Jack, obviously paying attention to what happened in South Carolina uh, with Nikki Haley and watching her go into Michigan this week and Super Tuesday next week, uh, I did think it was interesting that AFP Action, the, uh, the uh, super PAC that was supporting her, decided to stop some of their spending. Uh, so, you know, who knows if this means the, uh, the race is narrowing even further to that Trump-Biden thing, which most of America does not want. But that's obviously something that's got my eye. Well, we just had Paul Steinhaus recovers this, and he reports for Fox. He said, it's over now. It's over now. Trump wraps this up completely in a few weeks. It's over. Yeah, I, I mean, the momentum seems to be in that direction. So uh, I'm watching it closely, and we'll see what happens. All right. Uh, yeah, that's, and that's what's go- got my attention. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bummed out about the rain coming on Wednesday because I'm, 
I'm volunteer teaching this week, uh, this afternoon, tomorrow, and a little bit on Wednesday. But yeah, that's it. That's what's got my eye. <laughs> <laughs> I will drive drive safely. Thank you, Doctor Vic. Drive safely. All right. Thanks very much, Jack. World Market Advisors, Doug Tengden, principal, one of the principals, talking a little bit about, more about inflation. We just heard Doctor Vic. Um, AI, uh, and a fragile economy. Uh, good morning, and of course, check out the site, worldmarketadvisors.com. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Jack. How are you? Doing, I'm doing okay for a Monday, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just say um, this has been a, an amazing week in the, uh, in the marketplace. Dr. Vic was talking about NVIDIA. Uh, you mentioned, yeah, the, pr- the stock price is close to $800 a share, uh, just 10 years ago, it was $5 a share. So you don't often see that. Um, these kind of rocket ships go go 100 bagger, it's called. Um, but, yeah, over 100 times to one. If you put, uh, you know, 100 bucks in that uh, in that company, it's up to $10,000 now. Wow. wow. Yeah. In which, which, yeah. which one? This is NVIDIA. NVIDIA, NVIDIA yeah. Which, I just which looked used at... to be a gaming chip. It used to be, you know, you looked at the gaming PCs, uh, you know, and, and they had the NVIDIA screen. And gaming is still a big part of their business, but it, it makes up, you know, $2 billion of sales per quarter. Um, comparatively, they, they had a $20 billion quarter, which is three times what it was a year ago. They're the big company behind um, generative AI. Now, would you... What do you say? Because, you know, obviously not one company is going to own the space. They're the dominant. But what about some of these smaller new AI players or these funds, whether you go to a Vanguard or Fidelity? I'm sure they have some high-tech funds where they're focusing on some of these, like a diversified picture. What would you recommend to someone to look into that, you know, more information? How do you know what the next NVIDIA is going to be, or will it not be? Is this? Are you looking at the current Amazon or Google of AI with, 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 with uh, NVIDIA? Yeah, well, right now, that's the way it looks. It looks like, you know, NVIDIA is the picks and shovels seller of the AI boom. You know, the, that was the old story. And uh, if you were in San Francisco in, in 1850, you didn't yeah. want to try to buy a gold mine. You wanted to buy uh, picks and shovels, somebody who sold picks and shovels. And that's yeah, what you, didn't want, you didn't want to be digging for gold yourself. You wanted to sell the stuff that all these people rushing out there to search for gold to make them customers. Exactly, and that's what NVIDIA does. It's it's really astounding. Their their gross margin. This is kind of deep in the weeds, but it's eighty percent. I mean, they, they make they make picks and shovels, and they're making eighty. They're putting into into profit eighty cents out of every dollar that uh, that people buy in the picks, and that's because their chips are just unique. And the chips, yeah, they're in armored cars because the chips themselves cost like two hundred fifty thousand dollars a piece. Wow. So, I mean, the, the the company has been incredibly adaptive. They were huge um, supporter of Bitcoin when these Bitcoin miners um, they all uh, they all had to use Nvidia chips to to mine more Bitcoin. And then when AI took off, those those Bitcoin miners were able to repurpose their machines into uh, into generative AI. So uh, there's news stories about. Um, Telenor is doing a hundred million dollar uh, connection with NVIDIA today, and everybody wants to be um, connected to NVIDIA because there's just no substitute for the chips. And of course, the chips are patented. That's you know, that's it's not like not like they acquired this business. They went out and researched and wrote the the algorithms and and wrote the software into their chips so they could be used effectively. Now, you know, everything what comes around goes around, and maybe quantum computing, which is the next step. That'll make NVIDIA's chips um, look like they were the you old know, 8086 computer. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I, you want to avoid, and I, this is fun, uh, Doug, to talk about for a moment because we have time. You want to avoid getting caught up 
in like like for example Netflix on the entertainment side, nothing to do with AI. Netflix just if you got stock a long time ago, that that has taken off. But right. but you look at Nvidia, I've heard about it now for a couple of years, the company, but AI is something that now we're talking more about today as we end February than we were a year ago. And I'm looking at the next three to five years and in almost all sectors of the economy, legal, healthcare, uh, I'm looking at you know media, I'm looking at just about uh, the fast food industry, and, and AI is inevitably going to be inserted whether we like it or not. It's going to be some displacement for jobs because you know if you're a paralegal, not to pick on paralegals and you have a couple of two or three hundred thousand dollars in law school debt, and all you're doing is researching deeds, well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know the law firm can ask the right questions of some AI uh, technology, and it will p- come up with your deeds in Delaware or New Hampshire or Maine if you're buying wind. You don't need a person anymore to pay him or her 100 grand a year. You can use the AI. So employers are going to become more profitable because they can leverage this tool. But investors, I'm looking at if this changes everything, it's going to be beyond NVIDIA. Absolutely right. Absolutely right, Jack. And, you know, I was listening to what you're saying, and you could have said this exactly the same things 120 years ago and just insert automobiles. Yeah. And, and automobiles were going to revolutionize everything. We could have had the same conversation 100 years ago, and it would have been, it would have been um, airplanes. And airplanes are going to change everything. And just go back to that. Um, 120 years ago, there were 500 auto car, automobile companies, we settled down to three. You know, 100 years ago, there were about 300 airline companies. We settled down to, well, for a while, three and now six. So the technology is going to revolutionize everything. The investments, on the other hand, you got to be diversified. You got to trust that diversification, while you might not get the rocket ship, you're going to grow with everybody else. And so, you know, I say in investing... You can get poor quickly or get rich slowly. Yeah, but, you know, it's fun because, you know, you never want to – you don't want to well, – I don't care if you're betting on football or sports. You don't want to bet more than you can afford to lose. But Absolutely. You, you mentioned NVIDIA, $100 is now 10000 If you can find, you know, a, a 3 or $4 stock price on an emerging player in the AI space and hit it right, you can do the same thing. You put a few hundred bucks in there next, you know, a couple of years from now, you never know. Yeah, just remember that most of these companies are going to fail. Yeah. That's that's the history. That, that's what happened with autos, with with the internet. Just go back twenty years ago, yeah. and it was it was Pets. dot com. It was AOL. It was oh my gosh, this is this is going to change everything. And you know what? They were right. It changed everything. But Amazon went from a hundred dollars a share to seven dollars a share. Before now, they're I, I don't know what they are. They're they're five hundred dollars a share. You know, yeah. um, Apple almost went bankrupt until Microsoft bailed them out. And what did Microsoft bail them out? Because they were in an antitrust lawsuit. Microsoft, on the other hand, they were at $25 a share for, for about 10 years after yeah. Steve, after, uh, after, um, Steve Ballmer took over from, uh, from Bill Gates. So, yeah. so you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. The news is, is, is going to change things. So, uh, you, know, uh, the, you know, the bottom line is be careful about this stuff. All right, Doug Tangner, World Market Advisors. If you want to learn more, World Market Advisors, plural. Thank you, Doug. Jack, you have a great week. World Market Advisors, Doug Tangden, principal, one of the principals, talking a little bit about, more about inflation. We just heard Dr. Vic, um, AI, uh, and a fragile economy. Uh, good morning, and, of course, check out the site, worldmarketadvisors.com. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Jack. How are you? Doing, I'm doing okay for a Monday, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just say um, this has been an amazing week in the uh, in the marketplace. Dr. Vic was talking about Nvidia. Uh, you mentioned, yeah, the pr- the stock price is close to eight hundred dollars a share. Uh, just ten years ago, it was five dollars a share. So you don't often see that. Um, these kind of rocket ships go go a hundred bagger. It's called. Um, but yeah, over a hundred times to one. If you put, uh, you know, a hundred bucks in that uh, in that company, it's up to ten thousand dollars now. Wow! Wow! Yeah. In which which, yeah. which one? This is Nvidia. Nvidia, Nvidia yeah. Which, I just which used at... to be a gaming chip. It used to be, you know, you looked at the gaming PCs, uh, you know, and and they had the Nvidia screen. And gaming is still a big part of their business, but it it makes up, you know, two billion of sales per quarter. Um, Comparatively, they they had a twenty billion dollar quarter, which is three times what it was a year ago. They're the big company behind um, generative AI. Now, would you? What do you say? Because you know, obviously, not one company is going to own the space. They're the dominant. But what about some of these smaller new AI players or these funds? Whether you go to a Vanguard or Fidelity, I'm sure they have some high tech funds where they're focusing on some of these, like a diversified picture. What would you recommend to someone to look into that? You know, more information. How do you know what the next Nvidia is going to be or Will it not be? Is this? Are you looking at the current Amazon or Google of AI with, 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 with uh, Nvidia? Yeah. Well, right now that's the way it looks. It looks like you know Nvidia is the picks and shovels seller of the AI boom. You know the, that was the old story. And in, uh, in, if you were in San Francisco in, in 1850, you didn't yeah. want to try to buy a gold mine. You wanted to buy. Uh, it's picks and shovels. Somebody who sold picks and shovels. And that's yeah, what you didn't want. Does. You didn't want to be digging for gold yourself. You wanted to sell the stuff that all these people rushing out there to search for gold to make them customers. Exactly, and that's what Nvidia does. It's it's really astounding. Their their gross margin. This is kind of deep in the weeds, but it's eighty percent. I mean, they, they make they make picks and shovels, and they're making. 80 cent, they're putting into into profit 80 cents out of every dollar that uh, that people buy in the picks, and that's because their chips are just unique. And the chips, yeah, they're in armored cars because the chips themselves cost like two hundred fifty thousand dollars a piece. Wow! So, I mean, the 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 company has been incredibly adaptive. They were huge um, supporter of Bitcoin when these Bitcoin miners. Um, they all uh, they all had to use Nvidia chips to to mine more Bitcoin, and then when AI took off, those those Bitcoin miners were able to repurpose their machines into uh, into generative AI. So uh, there's news stories about um, Telenor is doing a hundred million dollar uh, connection with Nvidia today, and everybody wants to be um, connected to Nvidia because there's just no substitute for the chips, and of course the chips are patented. That's you know that's it's not like not like they acquired this business. They went out and researched and wrote the the algorithms and and wrote the software into their chips so they could be used effectively. Now, you know everything what comes around goes around, and maybe quantum computing, which is the next step, that'll make Nvidia's chips um, look like they were the you old eighty eighty six computer. But you know, I'm I'm I you want to avoid, and I, this is fun, uh, Doug, to talk about for a moment because we have time. You want to avoid getting caught up in like like for example netflix on the entertainment side nothing to do with ai netflix just if you got stock a long time ago, that that has taken off but right. but you look at nvidia i've heard about it now for a couple of years the company but ai is something that now we're talking more about today as we end february than we were a year ago and i'm looking at the next three to five years and in in almost all sectors of the economy legal health care uh, I'm looking at you know media. I'm looking at just about 
of the fast food industry, and, and AI is inevitably going to be inserted whether we like it or not. It's going to be some displacement for jobs because, you know, if you're a paralegal, not to pick on paralegals, and you have a couple of two or three hundred thousand dollars in law school debt, and all you're doing is researching deeds. Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know the law firm can ask the right questions of some AI uh, technology, and it will p- come up with your deeds in Delaware or New Hampshire or Maine if you're buying land. You don't need a person anymore to pay him or her a hundred grand a year. You can use the AI. So employers are going to become more profitable because they can leverage this tool. But investors, I'm looking at if this changes everything, it's going to be beyond NVIDIA. Absolutely right. Absolutely right, Jack. And, you know, I was listening to what you're saying, and you could have said this exactly the same things 120 years ago and just insert automobiles. Yeah. And, and automobiles were going to revolutionize everything. We could have had the same conversation 100 years ago, and it would have been, uh, it would have been um, airplanes. And airplanes are going to change everything. And just go back to that. Um, 120 years ago, there were 500 auto car, automobile companies. We settled down to three. You know, 100 years ago, there were about 300 airline companies. We settled down to, well, for a while, three and now six. So right. the technology is going to revolutionize everything. The investments, on the other hand, you've got to be diversified. You've got to trust that diversification, while you might not well, get the rocket ship, you're going to grow with everybody else. And so, you know, I say in investing, you can get poor quickly or get rich slowly. Yeah, but, you know, it's fun because, you know, you never want to, you don't want to, I don't care if you're betting on football or sports, you don't want to bet more than you can afford to lose. But you you mentioned NVIDIA, $100 is now 10000 If you can find, you know, a a 3 or $4 stock price on an emerging player in the AI space and hit it right, you can do the same thing. You put a few hundred bucks in there next, you know, a couple years from now, you never know. Yeah, just remember that most of these companies are going to fail. Yeah. That's that's the history. That, that's what happened with autos, with with the internet. Just go back twenty years ago, yeah. and it was it was Pets. dot com. It was AOL. It was oh my gosh, this is this is going to change everything. And you know what? They were right. It changed everything. But Amazon went from a hundred dollars a share to seven dollars a share. Before now, they're I, I don't know what they are. They're they're five hundred dollars a share. You know, yeah. um, Apple almost went bankrupt until Microsoft bailed them out. And what did Microsoft bail them out? Because they were in an antitrust lawsuit. Microsoft, on the other hand, they were at $25 a share for, for about 10 years after yeah. Steve, after, uh, after, um, Steve Ballmer took over from, uh, from Bill Gates. So, yeah. so you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. The news is, is, is going to change things. So, you know, the, you know, the bottom line is be careful about this stuff. All right, Doug Tangden, World Market Advisors. If you want to learn more, World Market Advisors, plural. Thank you, Doug. Jack, you have a great week. Anna Brown, Citizens Count, citizenscount.org. Great, wonderful, bipartisan, nonpartisan resource for you for all your local stuff, your votes, your legislators, how they vote, issues, trends. Anna Brown, good morning. Good morning. And so you brought up Senator D'Alessandro, you brought up the leader, Jeb Bradley, but also let's not forget that Senator Rosenwald and Senator Abbas were on close-up this weekend on WMUR, 
And they are potentially that among that group of four votes. And Senator Darrell Abbas is interesting in particular because he is a Republican, but he has helped craft this state-run model in the past. And so that is not what is in the House right now. But I think we are realistically looking at the Senate making significant changes to anything that passes the House. And so, yes, the battle in the House right now, it's a limit on 15 cannabis retail outlet licenses. There would be a 10% tax on monthly total gross revenue. But both Senator Rosenwald and Senator Abbas and, and other advocates are saying, no, you know, if this is not about licensing. We really want that state control so we can control exactly how the advertising, what the advertising looks like, or really no advertising, what the branding looks like, and where these locations are, and then also so that we have that revenue flowing directly into the state, as opposed to having some sort of new, potentially sort of sales tax, if you think about it. For some Republicans in the House, that has been a sticking point in that they don't want more types of taxes coming into New Hampshire. So I think that it really ultimately, Governor Sununu has said that he could get on board with a state-run model, but it, we, we also saw the commission that was tasked with studying that over the past few months, over the summer, fell apart, couldn't actually get that final agreement with Sununu because he was looking for final changes. So I think it is a toss-up in the Senate right now, and I don't even think, frankly, it'll get to Sununu's desk. If he, I think he will s- signal if he's not going to support it. And I think that that would be enough for it just to die off in the Senate. It's hard to say, though, right? Uh, one thing that uh, I don't know if it was the senators or Kevin Landrigan on Friday, New Hampshire Union leader, said if the governor gets involved with how the Senate crafts and finally if he gets involved in kind of the nitty-gritty in the bill, it's a sign that he probably is looking for something he can support. But if he doesn't go near it, you know, and he's an outgoing governor, um, he's had his concerns to his credit. He's, you know, if you want to say this, if you're in favor of legalizing pot, he has increased, uh, you know, they've passed uh, medicinal use of marijuana, uh, reducing uh, criminal possession amounts of small amounts, in, you know, in terms of like, you know, getting in trouble, but falling short like other states. Do you have any sense on what Sununu would do if he could, you know, if he could pass, if he could allow this bill to become law? Or do you think he's going to be a no vote? Oh, I think that he, in his. I think that he does have made clear that in his mind there is a path forward. He does see that it is sort of inevitable when you look at the fact that Kingsboro is, you know, less than half a mile from the southern New Hampshire's border. I think that it, there's that realistic fact that people in New Hampshire are buying legal marijuana in Maine, Vermont, and Massachusetts. So it, it sort of feels like New Hampshire should do something so that we can get a piece of the pie if you want to be a little cynical about about it from a fiscal perspective, but also, you know, get some control over it, get some regulation, get some more studies in. So I do think that there is a chance, yes, that there is a bill that he could support. But as you know, he would have to be involved in it in that Senate process. And I think that if he just sort of lets the Senate do whatever they want, I, in a weird way, I feel that's almost signaling like he's just not going to sign it. He's just going to let his term end without marijuana being legalized. All right. What else is catching your eye under the uh, the state house? Well, it was definitely a busy week last week in terms of bills getting killed, and I feel like it was sort of both sides saw bills get killed that they were a little unhappy about. So, for example, a right to work bill was once again defeated in the house, which is not terribly surprising because it has been defeated in the past, even when we've had Republican majorities. But nonetheless, that was another loss for some Republicans, and then. Another interesting bill that I was very curious to see how it was going to go, it was establishing a voluntary do not sell firearms list. And so 
some mental health advocates were saying that this would be a good way to help empower people who are at risk of hurting themselves or others to say, nope, don't give me firearms. But that was also voted down in the House. So that was the first type of legislation I'd seen like that in, frankly, across the country. I could be, maybe I could be missing another state because I'm really, you know, deeply into New Hampshire, but I was not aware of there being other corollaries. So it was interesting to see that ultimately Republicans did not get on board with that one either. Of course, there is still a bill coming up that would have New Hampshire reporting more information about involuntary mental health commitments to that national background check system. And that does have bipartisan sponsors. I do think that has a good chance of going forward. All right. Well, excuse me, any thoughts coming out of South Carolina on the presidential side? Of course, you were watching the New Hampshire primary close. It was mostly a Republican contest because Democrats basically tried to kill our primary. Uh, No surprise. It looks like in Michigan, even Trump's rolling. Any thoughts on Nikki Haley and and the reality or the inevitability of Trump being the nominee? I think that it's I'm not a Nikki Haley expert, but I, I, when you look at the people who are funding her in particular, and, and perhaps what she is also thinking, a lot of these trials are going to start for Trump in March and in these coming months. And I think that Nikki Haley, on a certain level, is a backup plan. And I think that, you know, there are many Republicans, including Governor Sununu, of course, who is a more moderate voice, does not necessarily represent the majority of Republican uh, officials or, or candidates or voters by any means, but, you know, are looking at Trump and saying, this is a guy who is not going to win us the ticket in November. And so I think that is partly perhaps why Nikki Haley is staying in the race, because when you look at the math, it is true that she is not going to have the delegates. It's hard to envision a path to victory unless something significant happens with Donald Trump and these cases. And let's be real, those nominating conventions, they're they're the political parties choosing who they want to be the candidate. We have this entire primary and caucus system in the United States where the public gets to have their voice uh, shown and, and get to participate in that way. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the parties have to follow along with how, what people are voting and what they're saying. I mean, we've ultimately seen with the Democratic Party, it's very clear. They've said they might completely ignore New Hampshire delegates and just not to include them at all. So I think that that sort of is the angle of Nikki Haley's campaign at this point. You know, it's 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 a, a, an alternative option. It's that dissenting voice. And I think that it, if, you know, things continue to evolve with Trump in a bad way, we could see something play out at the national convention. Interesting. Now, that's the Republican side. I find it hard to believe because I just felt a year ago that Joe Biden was going to be too old and, 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 you know, clear to everyone that, that he was, you know, that he might be, the job might be too much for him at some point. But it seems like there's no you know, taking the Biden-Trump equation out that this is going to be that, in other words, the incumbent president is not going to just all of a sudden step aside saying, you know, I am getting somewhat forgetful. I know people think I'm too old for this. I know there's no energy in my base, if you will, but I'm still the guy. I'm still the person. I'm not going to take myself out. So I just think it's inevitable that Biden walks in and, and Trump heads there no matter what. It is looking more and more that way. It is for sure. And and I agree. A couple of years ago, a lot of people were speculating that Biden wouldn't even run for a second term, that the the plan all along would be that this would be a single term presidency. But here we are. And it is certainly historically strange election when you're looking at 
such historically low approval ratings for both of the candidates, right? So we're looking at Biden and we're looking at Trump and and there's a huge percentage, granted, not over 50 percent, but there's a huge percentage of people within their own party, voters I'm talking about, not necessarily officials, who are dissatisfied for, for various reasons. And so this is definitely not a great time for our democracy. It, it's It's a very, you know, trying time in history. And I think that this is definitely one of those years where I am not going to be trying to make any big predictions about what happens because it is it is just so unprecedented. All right. Well, great stuff as always. Anna Brown, citizenscount.org, citizenscount.org. Make it a good one. Thank you, Anna. Thanks, Jack. Aaron Rial, his radio national correspondent, out of, out of the gate on this Monday morning. Aaron, good morning. The number of bills that we have in circulation, maybe, a, maybe more than I realize. Good morning. Hi. Yes. So apparently the $100 bill still has a tremendous amount of cachet in spite of the fact that it's a huge annoyance. If you're trying to make a payment for a small bill, um, people will look at that $100 on the line and they'll roll their eyes. They have to bring out the funny marker. But the fact of the matter is they enter circulation way faster than they leave. So every year the Fed prints money to make up for the ones that are at the end of their life cycle. But a one or a five lasts decades shorter than a $100 bill, partly because people are more likely to spend the ones and the fives than the 100s. And it's called the denomination effect, where essentially the form the money comes in has a huge impact on a person's desire to spend it. And there has been countless research that has shown that folks are less likely to purchase an item when they're given a $100 bill compared to 520s. I am a part of the problem. If I get a $100 bill, I kind of squirrel it away. I don't want to spend it. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. You know, and and, you know, I know it's not our subject, but I had a couple of our economic experts earlier were talking about AI, you know, the AI discussion. But one of them, I don't know how it could talk about uh, with NVIDIA and how they were the one of the early backers on the Bitcoin mining side. And, you know, in the last year or two, for reasons which I think were unrelated to the actual crypto coins, but more the exchanges and we had some of the scandals and what's his name, you know, Friedman went to jail or I think he's in jail. But a lot of the scams, but crypto hasn't gone away, even the time about bills, right? I mean, you know, it's still there. I know Bitcoin's come up a little bit recently, but it was two or three years ago. It was like, you know, you couldn't go out to a, I remember three of maybe three or four years ago I was in, in uh, near our capital, just getting some coffee, sitting down. And I was listening to a couple of young college students home for vacation. All they were talking about is their crypto trading. That's all they were talking about. Really? That's and today, that, I mean, and today, so and today, it's like you, you know, younger people and all that. Everyone sort of, sort of walked away from this. But when you talk about currency, I, I don't think it's going away. When you've got the digital stuff and how AI is going, I think, I think I'm not saying it makes a big return. I'm not one of these crypto kings at all. That's not my point. But I think, I think it's inevitable. I may be wrong. No, I think you're 100% correct. Listen, only 60%, excuse me, 60% is the number that people use the payments they're made with debit or credit cards. So just a digital currency, just a different type. So if you look at that and then you, you walk it out even further, yes, alternative digital currencies are only going to become more popular. Many will fail. Some will not. And it, it, it kind of just buttresses your point. All right, Aaron, we obviously News Radio National Correspondent on this, uh, on this Monday. Have a good one. You too. NHJournal.com. Michael Graham, <laughs> any surprise coming out of the six? It was like a 60-40 split, kind of what I thought it would be. Trump over Nikki Haley, Michigan tomorrow. Looks like, uh, it, you know, it's, it's Trump's got this nomination wrapped up. Any surprises? 
No, not really. I mean, uh, you know, 60-40 was kind of the thumbnail sketch that people were expecting. I don't think anyone would have been shocked if it had been 65-35. I don't think they would have been shocked if it had been, you know, 55-45. But, uh, you know, people knew, you know, Trump's got a solid lead. He's had a solid lead since the indictments started coming down. That hasn't changed. And uh, there's, you know, as, uh, as people in New Hampshire were saying six months ago, Jack, this race is already over. But, uh, you know, it's going to roll on. All right. What do you have for us uh, to get us going on a Monday? Well, actually, I want to ask you about why do you think, like, uh, Governor Snunu was on the talk shows this weekend still touting, you know, Nikki Haley staying in the race and, uh, and that you know, she, doesn't have, she doesn't need to get out. And uh, she still, he actually said she's got momentum. And that kind of threw me off. Well, what, what's his choice? You don't take the airtime, pull away, let this yeah. thing ride its course. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. That would be my choice. That would be my choice to be, oh, I'm busy. I can't do Meet the Press or whatever. Well, I forget which one it was. I think it was CNN. Actually, CNN. I, I don't you know, know. can't do that. Because what are you going to say? What do you mean she's got momentum? Yeah. She's lost four races in a row. I mean, I don't know what to say. I, I, I mean, I, I, once again, nothing against uh, 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 Nikki Haley. I'm certainly not a big Trump guy. But, just, you know, the, the world is the way it is. The math is the way it is. And I can understand why Trump supporters are getting frustrated uh, you know, that they see their guy who has the support of between 75 and 80 percent of the Republicans around the country having to have these primary fights. And then they look across the aisle and there's Joe Biden, whose support among Democrats is lower than that. And he's not having any primary fights. Yeah. All he has to fight is, uh, you know, uh, Dean Phillips. And by the way, Jack, even with just Dean Phillips and Marion Williamson on the ballot, Joe Biden only got 64 percent of the vote in the New Hampshire primary this time around. Yeah. That's not super great when you're in an uncontested primary. Remember, uh, in 2020, uh, Bill Weld from next door in Massachusetts ran against the incumbent Donald Trump, and Trump got 85% of the vote. You know, you you asked a question of Nikki Haley. The only thing I've heard is that, you know, her advisors and her and her, you know, close confidant, she's done well, made it a two-person race, feel that, you know, in March, you could start to see some of these legal cases turn against Trump. But what they don't realize, if that's your only model you're looking at, the Trump supporters don't care. They don't care. You know, if he gets convicted of something, it's not going to affect his base of support. Now, it might not get him more independence in the general, but I, I just think that he's inevitably, he is the nominee in Biden inevitably because he's not going to take himself. He's the nominee, and this is what you got. I, I agree. There, I, I can't see anything stops Republican primary voters from backing Donald Trump because, as we've said so many times at NHJournal.com, Jack, Republicans like Trump. You can say that they shouldn't, as your guest Brad Card often does. <laughs> you can say that it's a mistake, but they do. They just like him. Uh, meanwhile, we've got the story of the bizarre robocall that hit right before the First of the Nation primary, telling Democrats, don't vote in the primary, save your vote for the general election, which, by the way, if you're so dumb that you buy that, please don't vote at all. Don't ever show up and vote. That's how dumb you are, please. Uh, and people have been wondering who made the call and why. Uh, the actual audio we now know, thanks to NBC News, was crafted by a street musician in New Orleans. Ma- magician, not musician, magician. A street magician, a street performer in New Orleans, whose claim to fame is that he took a toilet to Donald Trump's Star on the Walk of Fame and pretended to defecate on it using a toilet as a, a action of street art. 
And uh, that audio that he made was then used by a longtime Democratic flat named Steve Kramer, who uh, revealed yesterday, yes, he did the he sent out the calls. No, he didn't do it for any candidate. He was working for Dean Phillips at the time. This he says it had nothing to do with it. And he claims now, now that he's been outed by this magician, oh, yeah, I was doing this to show people that it's so easy to do AI fakes now. People need to I'm, – I'm a whistleblower. I'm whistleblowing on myself, which, of course, Jack, is, is crap because he didn't reveal who he was until he got caught. <laughs> All right. What else? Any other tidbits? Well, I just want to add one more thing to that, which is we've said from the beginning at NHJournal.com that this phone call was not designed to hurt – uh, Joe Biden. There, there was a theory that this was some kind of scam to try to hurt Joe. No, it was done to help Joe Biden. And I don't, that's why I don't believe anything this Kramer guy says. I don't know that he was paid by the Biden campaign or if he's just a Biden supporter. He's kind of a notorious. He's done this in the past, Jack. He did a de- deal on robocalls in one race where the con- he hated the consultant on the other team so bad. He robocalled the guy's neighborhood, even though the guy lived in a different state from the race he was running. And so he wrote called him just to be obnoxious. So I don't know why he did it, but no doubt about it, the impact of this call, if it had any impact, was to keep more Democrats from showing up, which helped Joe Biden, because Biden only had his write-in vote. The smaller the pie, the bigger the slice from Joe Biden. So that's, that's that. And then I guess the other big thing is that you now have the grand jury on Friday issued actual indictments against the knuckleheads with the pro-Palestinian group who attacked the Israeli-owned uh, Elbit Systems facility in Merrimack, and they broke windows, and they dumped paint on things, and they climbed up on the roof of the incendiary device. And, Jack, what's great is we uh, wrote about this. It was in the newsletter this morning. We, sent, we tweeted it out over the weekend. The number of people tweeting, set them free. They're just protesters. Stop the attack on free speech. I'm like, uh, guys, they broke windows. <laughs> Through paint on things. I, I think they honestly believe that because they're such good progressives that they could come to New Hampshire and do what they wanted and then get a slap on the wrist, you know, do, get like Massachusetts, like a ticket, whatever. No, no, this is New Hampshire. This is bleep around and find out state. So they are finding out. They are facing 25 years or so in prison if convicted on all charges. Wow. Interesting. All right, good stuff, Michael, for a Monday. Michael Graham, NHL, NHL.com. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Rory O'Neill, NBC News Radio National Correspondent, coming out of South Carolina, Michigan, Michigan tomorrow. Look at the primary. Good morning, Rory. Yeah, Jack, those Michigan numbers could be really bad for Nikki Haley. There's not a whole lot of polling out of Michigan, but the last numbers show she could lose by 50, 5-0 points, uh, which would be a real blowout, even after that 20-point loss on Saturday. And, you know, a lot of people are speculating, what does that really mean, that there was only a 20-point difference? Was it, um, is Trump in trouble with the suburban housewives? I think has been the screaming headline. But, you know, that was Nikki Haley's home state. I think she just benefited a lot from the goodwill that she generated while governor. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, they, you know, she made it tighter in New Hampshire. Um, she wanted to do better in South Carolina. She did not. Per capita, so uh, we'll see where it goes. Michigan, and then I guess before you know it, uh, we had Paul Steinhauser from Fox on earlier. He said yeah. Trump Trump wraps this thing up. It's over in a few weeks. I mean, it literally is. I mean, it looks oh, you know, yeah, eight days. Uh, you yeah. know, Super Tuesday is next Tuesday. So it, you know, I think we'll hear we'll have an announcement from Haley either next Tuesday night or next Wednesday morning. Yep. All right, Rory O'Neill, Missoula's Radio National Correspondent. Thank you, Rory. Thanks, Jack.
Tom Raphael, President and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental, host of Delta, Delta Dental Radio, and his latest book, Stories from the Starting Line with Addendums. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Jack. I love your show, and there's a lot of exciting things. You talk about good weather. So Sunday, yesterday, I was at Mount Washington, the auto road, so we have a race that we sponsor called Race to the Clouds, and so there were three categories, fat bikes, um, with thin people riding them, by the way, <laughs> um, snowshoe, snowshoe category, and skiers who... You got to ski up the auto road. Can you imagine that, Jack? So in any yeah. event, so we we sponsor that, and it uh, it basically funds go to the the Glen uh, Trail system, which, as you know, Jack, was awesome. It was a beautiful day, so it was cold, but it was so bright, uh, really really refreshing. So that was what's going on Sunday. The day before, I had a snowshoe race in Franklin, which raises raises money for the Tom Walton Scholarship Fund, who died about a year ago, and we've got that uh, capital to about twenty five. So we're able to now give out some scholarships um, at NHTI. So uh, that that was a great day and a great uh, honor for Tom Walton. And then and then on Friday, and this is something it's not sports related, but I think something probably um, maybe even more important. Um, I was with uh, Steve from the Community Loan Fund, and Delta Dental made a, a million dollar investment in the Community Loan Fund. And as you know, Jack, the Community Loan Fund is the organization that helps. Uh, People that have uh, maybe underserved and don't have the full uh, availability of the New Hampshire economy, you know, get their first homes and things like that. So it was quite a great day. And, and, and this really just reminds me to tell everybody that whatever your resources are, whatever your level of energy is, you can make a difference in New Hampshire. And you don't have to wait for government. I mean, ultimately, governmental solutions are fine. But in the meantime, whether it's raising money at a snowshoe race or investing in the community, loan fund, you know, we we can all do this. And Stories from the Starting Line, since you mentioned, is going well. Many of the people on the race this Saturday and Sunday are appearing in the book, because as you say, there's an addendum, interviewed 90 races. And then this coming Saturday, I'll talk about on Friday, uh, we have uh, a race at NHTI at 11, another fundraiser for the NHTI. So that's my good news story, Jack, and I'm sticking with it. It must have been a little chilly up in the Mount Washington Auto Road this weekend. It was, but honestly, it was refreshing because there was no wind. Yeah. And, and and what you've been up there when it's like when you ski at Wildcat or whatever, like or, or Bretton Woods, like the sun is so bright and it's starting to obviously get more daylight. And and by the time the race started at ten o'clock, <laughs> um, a lot of the athletes were you know paring down you know what what they started to wear. It is interesting on the fat bikes, by the way. Uh, there, there are very few winter fat bike races, so I. I think every fat bike, you know, east of the Mississippi con- converged on the auto road. I've, I've never, I'll send you a photo. I've how, many, never, how, many, how many folks did you get, roughly? Oh, 500, anyway. Nice. And, and again, three categories. It was skiers um, and then snowshoers. My wife, Ellen, went up on the snowshoe. And, and it was really cool. And it, it kind of got me energized thinking ahead for June when we have the, uh, the foot race for the Mount Washington because this year um, there could be a, a a record broken because Joseph Gray and Kim Dobson, both both from Colorado, they both have won seven times and with another gentleman named Bob Hodges, and both could win, so we could actually have a, re- a record-breaking year. So I'm looking forward to that, and, of course, funds for that go to the Colorado County Family Dental. And my veteran pals out there, I talk to about five a week. Give me a call at 223-1300, and if, you don't, if you're not covered by the VA um, or Medicaid, give me a call, and Dr. Mitch Correa will take care of you. We've been doing that now for seven years. 
thanks to Jack. So thanks for everything you do, Jack. All right. Great stuff. Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Bye.